and it's 2 0 to the Don. Reeves gets a dipping body, Reeves. Oh, Reeves! Yeah. That is a goal to win any game. You saw that. You saw Vardy's at Leicester. That just took it out of the top draw. Fantastic arcing, dipping body. Reeves! Reeves has done it for the Don. It's again! They've equalised! The Don's have equalised! It's Bayo's done it! Conley, go on, side the area. Conley's around the keeper. Conley! Yeah! Conley! Conley's done it! And the death! David Conley! Last kick in the game! Round the keeper! 3 2 to the Don! Sanchez was in there, and that's a goal for Wimbledon. Lolly Sanchez. And there it is. The crazy gang have beaten the culture club. Hi guys, Bassi here. Hi, I'm Omen Bagil. Hi, I'm Terry Skiverton. Hi, I'm Hussein Biller. Hi, I'm Josh Davison. All right, lad. I'm Alia Hamadi. Hello, I'm Johnny Jackson, and you are listening to the official AFC Wimbledon podcast. Come on, you dons. Hello everybody, welcome along to the official AFC Women on Podcast with me, Aaron Ball. We have got a huge character on with us on this episode, a man who dominated the midfield with his industry, tenacity and questionable banter. Danny Borman played 140 games for the Dons, winning promotion to League One in 2016 as Neil Ardley's side beat Plymouth at Wembley. One of the elder statesmen of the team, Danny was and always will remain one of the most loved characters to have graced the Kings Meadow pitch and now he's here at Plough Lane. Danny, firstly, how are you? I am absolutely fantastic. How are you, Aaron? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. All the better for having you here uh, in Box 5 at this beautiful stadium. Um, You retired last season at the tender age of 43. What made you finally hang your boots up? Uh, I ran out of boots. That was it, basically. I ran out of boots and legs. And, yeah, I don't particularly like uh, sitting around being sub, unused sub. So, yeah, I just thought time was time so i packed it in 43 is i mean that's quite an age isn't it for, for for a footballer usually i mean the technical turn is blowing they're blowing at 35 36 you see the odd person going up to 38 39 but 43 is mad yeah i think i've been blowing for a few years i just disguised it very well since i t- turned 30 if you have a bad game your legs are gone but once you have a poor game shall we say uh you got to back out with a half decent one to sort of but that to Russia would say that the legs haven't gone because it's uh, chucked at you very easily uh, once you reach the 30 mark. You were born 4th of Are you January Googling that now? I've got it written down. Uh, yeah. 24th of January 1979 Aquarius, in Ashford. Yep. Ashford. Middle um, six. What was life like for a young Danny Borman? Um, yeah, no, it was good. Just BMX, football, climbing trees and conkers. Conkers as well, good, wasn't it? Have you? Yeah, it was. I mean, I haven't played Conkers in years, but... Uh, yeah, what? No. You should. No. You should. Well, one day, maybe. I'll yeah. like, challenge on the pitch at half That'd be good, wouldn't it? So, apart from Conkers, BMX, I mean, what was your family situation like? Um, yeah. I had a mother. Uh, I had a father. I had three brothers and a sister. Sister came along a little bit later, so she, there was a bit of a gap. But, yeah, no, it was... You can imagine four boys in the house, um, football, fighting, and yeah. A lot big of, family. Yeah, you, you you don't think of it at the time that it's big, it's just is what it is, and you you get on with it, but you don't get on with your family. You can't pick them, can you? But no. Who did you support growing up? I supported Chelsea. Why? My father supported Chelsea. Uh, my granddad supported Fulham. And no, my dad just took me to Stanford Bridge. Uh, got a stick of celery. I know the song. Yep. Do you want to? 
No. Okay. No. Um, Not but either. yeah, and uh, yeah, I really liked their kit. Tell me about Ashford playing for Ashford, uh, starting in non-league, and and that rise. Uh yeah, I thought it was it was brilliant. I I started playing men's football. A wage. A fifteen and a half, and that was with builders, um, prison officers, roofers bloody yeah all sorts so with that you're gonna get characters and yeah you really it was it was you had to sort of hold your own sort of thing you know but back then i didn't say a word i just yeah yeah a bit intimidating shall we say but yeah it was it was nice when say some lump on the opposition would uh maybe lift me shall we say uh yeah you found out um who the builders and the uh, nutters on your team are. What was Danny Bullman like at school? Oh, school. I think I went there. Yeah, no, I, I just got away with it. I just thought about football all the time. I didn't want to be a footballer. I just wanted to play football. And luckily, I dragged the absolute out of it um, till I was 43. So, yeah, no, I was I was fairly well behaved. I wasn't a naughty kid. A bit dim, you know, believe it or not. But... I got away with it because I was good at football. They sort of let it slide with me. Something I was never pushed to be academic. Tell us about the move to Wickham Wanderers. Ten thousand pounds. You you paid for a stand to be built at Ashford. That's yeah. your legacy. Yep. What was the move like? Well, how it came around. My my uh, big Irish defender, absolute meathead. He was a he worked at Felton Remand, and his mate was a scout for the youth team at um, Wickham Wanderers, and he said, "Come and have a look at this kid." So I went on trial. John Gregory was the manager, and uh, I uh, played a few games. Bang some goals as well. They played me up front. I remember it was, it was playing Stevenage reserves, and I, everyone's in their tracksuits and everything. I've come in like dressed like a schoolboy because I thought you have to wear a tie. So um, the um, assistant manager, reserve team manager, or whatever, put the team out. I was like, looks a bit weird. Why am I not in the? Why am I? Why am I not playing centre midfield? That's that's where I play. So I said, oh, excuse me, I, I, I don't I don't play up front. You play with in like tell you. And um, yeah, so I did, and I I think I scored two go- two goals that game. So, and then I was just about to get signed by John Gregory and Wickham Wanderers, and he got a move to the Villa. Yep, and yeah, that uh, the deal went dead for about six months until Neil Smiley uh, became manager and picked it up so yes but John Gregory did get me a pair of uh, Copa Mondial <laughs> um, no well they were cups I think it was World Cups actually yeah too big I mean you trialled there in the February you signed in the summer of 1998 the fee was £10,000 you're remembered because of your debut your first touch as a football league player mm-hmm. resulted in a goal can you take us through the emotion of getting subbed on and what happened next? Yeah, um, yeah, I got subbed on. I think it might have been the, possibly my first involvement around the squad sort of thing on the bench. And yeah, we had, I think it was maybe five or six games in, we lost them all. And yeah, we, we was in a bad sort of sort of place. And um, yeah, I just remember coming on probably the 89th minute. Don't know why he just put me on, but he put me on up front. And um, yeah, there was a pass back from the halfway line to the keeper. And yeah, me being me, didn't give it up. Just 
sort of chased it down and uh, cushioned it, guided it with my muscular behind into the back of the net. And yeah, that was our first point of the season. Six years at Wickham Wanderers, 200 plus games for the club. You moved to Stevenage. Um, I think, think we played in the semi final with the FA Cup as well. You did. I, don't, don't, I don't like mentioning it. You did as well. But like this is not a Wickham Wanderers podcast. No, it's just about, you know, there was a cup there. Just talk about all the cups. We'll be talking about that one in a bit. Okay. Uh, you drop out of the Football League, drop down into what was the conference, mm-hmm. and go play for Stevenage, a club famed for, for playing in non-league football and uh, who have had a really successful time. But it wasn't a happy spell for you. Or it didn't end in a happy way. It was a, it was a crazy kind of period, shall we say. Um, yeah, because I've, I've dealt with so John Gregory, um, Neil Smiley, Laurie Sanchez, Terry Gibson was his assistant, and Tony Adams. And then I go to Stevenage, and there's Graham Wesley. And he is intense. He will just stare at you. He, he, he won't talk to you, he just stare at you. And that was my negotiations to get him to get me a deal. Just he's a businessman, you know what I mean? That's uh, got this sort of manager's job, and uh, yeah, some of the stuff that happened there was 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 kind of crazy, kind of crazy. But what, what was it like then? A personality clash? I mean, obviously you are you, you are out there. You're you're vibrant. You're effervescent. You're eccentric. To go up against someone like that to try and win a deal to try and play in their squad. I mean, it's a real, real contrast. No, he, he, he got me. He's a funny character. He would like, he would put on these stupid gym sessions like on a Tuesday where he's on his, his like uh, his bike in front of us and we're lined up in front of him and we've got like 10 kg in each hand like for an hour. It's mental. Tell us about leaving Stevenage and going for your first of five spells at Crawley. Oh, it keeps going up. You said three, then four, now five. How many are we going for? Five. Five, okay, that's fine. Um, yeah, um, Stevenage sort of came to a dead end because a uh, manager came in, my face didn't fit, and uh, that was fine. Uh, I Why do you think you didn't fit? Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just the, well, I do know. I was just, I was the uh, part of the old squad that he inherited and sometimes that has a well almost always has a negative effect I've learned not learned I'll never learn um, I've learned to have a laugh because I work hard I, I mean I can I work hard so I can have a laugh while I'm working hard and he didn't get it you then moved to Oxford in a successful season as they get promoted at the conference yeah you go into League 2 and you barely play any football yeah, again, that was Chris Wilder. Done really well for him in, uh, for him in the, uh, the conference. And then a couple of games in, yeah, he decided that my legs are gone and go younger in a different sort of way. So um, Crawley were chucking a bit about and having a go in the in non-league. He said, well, if you can get a two-year deal there, go for it. New ownership then at the time. Yes. Uh, Sergio Torres arrives. Matt Tubb, someone who's very much known here at Plough Lane, arrives as well, as well as 21 other players in six months. Yeah, I think if you look at the players, Carmen Fadson, he was a game away from going into the Premier League for Coventry against uh, Luton. Great lad. Uh, great player. Uh, yeah, he just signed, he signed players that could step up. Not only playing the conference, but playing League One, uh, League Two. So I don't know why he signed me, idiot. 
you well the club's rise is, is meteoric you, you leave uh, the National League and then you head up into uh, into the Football League and end up with what back to back promotions yep bounce bounce um, yeah that was that was a bit mental because Steve Evans team because he signs characters as well as good players it's almost us as a squad versus him let's not let's not lose because he's going to go Gary and we're going to be in Sunday and we're going to be running so let's do it despite his the way he is that the way he presents himself to the media and everything so yeah no he 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 built a very good squad his recruitment's very good and uh yeah we had a blast doing it we are gonna talk about your move to Wimbledon but should we hear from your former gaff Neil Ardley sure Danny Borman uh what can I say about him uh well the first time I met him was uh when we had a chat about me trying to get him to the club um and he turned up late uh, so that was a good start but seriously I tried to ring him um, several times in previous seasons to get him to the club but uh, I couldn't get him there and finally I did um, he was in his latter years but uh, the one thing I remember was that he had an engine on him that was incredible and uh, I, I wish I hadn't let him go if I'm honest um, as soon as I did because I didn't realise he'd have another three or four you know, very very good years in him which he did um, he was a character. Many times I would be doing a uh, team talk in training and I'd see somebody walking on their hands um, behind the group, trying to make everybody laugh in mid-flow. And he was the sort of guy that you just couldn't, you couldn't even have words with, you just had to laugh alongside him. Um, brilliant memory of him in the playoff final. He, I asked him to do a job on Graham Carey, who was Plymouth's best player at Wembley which he did, never give him a kick. Uh, I think at some point he became very bored of it because uh, all of a sudden it was nil-nil and we had about 25 minutes to go and he was arriving in the box, getting in the box and uh, going on the attack and wasn't thinking about his defending, which uh, summed him up. But by that point, he'd uh, I think he'd kept uh, Carey quiet enough. And uh, obviously the rest is history. We went on and uh, and won it. But a fantastic character, great lad. And I hope that uh, he's got many funny stories to tell. So there you go. That's your former gaffer, Neil Ardley. When you signed, um, the boss told the media he tried to capture your signature three times. What was it like being a wanted man? Always good. Always nice. No, I only really sort of knew that he approached the club once. And uh, yeah, well, my... I knew I was leaving Crawley. I um, I reached out to uh, to him. I think yeah, and uh, I was late. You, were you late? Nah, maybe fashionably late, but not late. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you, know, you gotta go in there, and yeah, like entering and, style. And, and what? Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. Why did you leave Crawley? Um, John Gregory was the manager at the time, and he offered me um, a fifty percent wage um, decrease, and said I wouldn't be playing um, as much due to my age how did the move come about then what did Neil say to you to bring you to King's Meadow I don't think he had to say say a lot really because always kept an eye on the club because it's quite local to me um, obviously amazing story so that sold itself and um, yeah just just everything felt felt right you arrived at Wimbledon at the age of, of 35 I mean <laughs> Uh, tender years, let's call them that. What kind of characters do you find in the dressing room? 
a real sort of mix a lot of different characters but you find different characters are different in different scenarios but when you look back at that transfer window it was huge for the football club you came in so did Bayo James Shea Adi Aziz Sean Rigg it was really a seismic change in what the club are doing yeah uh, again it took it took a it took a season for us to to gel and get a few more players in if you look at our strikers that we had on the pitch and and on the um on the bench you know we had five to pick from every game so we always knew we could um attack a team in five different ways because you have Bayo, uh, I played against him. I just bounce off him. It's just, it's, it's not, it's not fair. Do you know what I mean? It's, a, it's almost like a glitch. Is glitch a good word? Is that what they say? The kids say, or a hack? It's OP. Like, Overpowered. That's what they call it when you when you play on FIFA and someone's. Oh, I, know, I, I thought you were going to say OG. Never mind. Um, yeah, no, it's just ridiculous. And you've got Tom Elliott was absolutely on fire. Uh, got his move to. Millwall after that yeah, obviously Lyle Taylor was technically brilliant and a real 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 game changer and you had the pace of Adi Aziz uh, there was you could he could catch pigeons so and score goals did, did you feel you settled in easily yeah I, I, I pretty much settle wherever I go in my later years anyway so um, yeah I did Obviously, I went back to Crawley so many times, I didn't have to settle in. I, I left the wash back there. Jake Reeves turns up in January. He said in the last episode that you're his favourite ever midfield partner. Should we hear from him? Do we have to? All right, the Bulldog. Good to see you on the official club podcast. Uh, two reasons for me why Bully was my favourite midfield partner. Uh, one of them being his personality in the game. And a quick example of that was... One of my first ever games for Wimbledon, we were playing at home and a keeper smashed the ball out of the sky and Bully brings it down lovely on his chest. I move away at an angle and call Bully to pass me the ball. To which this man looked at me and it felt like it happened in slow motion and said, Ross, turn ball. And I just thought, he's obviously got my name wrong. It's only my first game. He's then whacked the ball in behind the defence and chased after it. Soon I found out that that was Bully's banner. Uh, and he was brilliant at it. Secondly, Bully was, uh, I think, an underestimated footballer. He's renowned for being an extremely fit man, which he is. I don't think there's a fitter player I've ever played with. Um, all the way up until he's until he was 40, 41, 42. He could probably still play now if he wanted to. Um, but Bully was a very good footballer. He could do whatever the game needed. He could run in behind. He could sit and hold. He could pass. He could ping balls. He could hit diags. He could shoot. He could score. He could defend, he could sort, he could do everything that a, midf- a modern-day midfielder does now. Um, and for that reason, he was my favourite midfielder. There you go. My first question is, what did you make of the young 22-year-old pretender when he comes in in January? You got it right, pretender. Do you know what I mean? I made him into the, a real contender. You're welcome. Uh, so, no, no, it was just, we got him straight away. And uh, it was hard because he came in and he replaced a legend that was Sammy Moore. But no, from as soon as he came in, we 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 hit off. We room together. We we spent a lot of time together on and off the pitch. So, but that was that that game about the Ross Turnbull. That was away actually. That was away. I think Burton Albion. Is it Mark? Is it Mark Phillips, centre half, mm. Mill guy as well. I think he got he he's, he was uh, being very patient. To get 
getting getting into the team and uh, waiting ages to get his chance and he got a start and he got sent off early in the second half or something and I remember bitting on the coach and he's got his head down like that and I walked up to him and I went hey there Mark you alright I went uh, you only got yourself to blame mate he is of course now club captain but has worked so hard to come back from a really tough injury has he always had that sort of battling fighting mentality no maybe a night out after a couple of beers maybe but uh, no no he's he's always he's always been a very good player technically and if you remember the Accrington uh, surge that he had and should have scored but he decided to miss it and give it to Lyle but like he's he's similar to me he's like yes we are athletic but we know when to run we know when not to run so it almost looks like we're really fit and really athletic but we're not because we're we're putting ourselves in positions where we can pounce, you know. And, uh, yeah, to the the fans I or everyone else is like, oh, God, you've been everywhere. No, I just got myself in a position to affect things better. You were the elder statesman of, of the midfield, weren't you? I mean, a midfield that featured Jake Reeves, Sammy Moore, Tom yep. Beer and George Frankham. How much of an influence did you have on everyone? Did you take the mantle of being the guy they look up to, the experienced pro, someone who'd maybe just give them those little bits of, of, of advice, those nuggets to sort of hone their game? No, not at all. It, was, it wasn't that I didn't want to. It was, it was like, right, I, I'm going in. Are you coming with me? Sort of thing. It's like, well, if I'm 15 years older than you and I'm doing it, well, there's something wrong with you. Not, there's not something superhuman in me sort of thing and I, I think that was one of the first training sessions actually was well we had a practice match you know 11 v 11 at the training ground it was one of the first ones and uh it was in the corner and i've gone i've gone to press but i've i've gone and nobody came with me and i thought oh, i'm gonna get dug out by odds here like that but no he, he he dug out the rest of the team it's like if one goes we all go because we've got a better chance of scoring if we win it higher basically and uh, yeah that was music to my ears because I, I loved it Speaking of George Frankham yes. let's hear from him now your former teammate has dropped us a bit of a line The Bulldog what a geezer easily one of my favourite teammates across my whole career to date um, uh, obviously played with him at AFC and played with him at Crawley so I've shared many a years on and off the pitch with him hilarious both on and off the pitch um, not like the loudest in the changing room in terms of banter but Anytime he delivered a joke, it just had people in stitches. He's just got that time and he's just got that wit. It's like having David Brent in your, in your uh, dressing room. But uh, the thing with Bully, yeah, on the pit, he was such a good pro, such a good player, always wanted to win, grafter, cover every blade, all that. But he just couldn't take anything seriously. So you'd be on the pitch, you'd be like, I played the midfield with him quite a bit. And, you know, you, you, you could be losing a game 1-0, you know, the game's not going your way you might be getting done, like someone might take you on, they might nutmeg you, or you might play a pass as terrible. And like, he'd make jokes to you on the pitch. <laughs> or even if he did something bad, he'd look at you and he'd give you a look like, how bad was that? And you're just sort of like, you couldn't help but laugh. Um, and he was just he was just gold for that. Like, hated a battle. He, he just knew how to put a light spin on it in, in any occasion, you know? So uh, he's just such a unique character, like, Every day was a different joke that would uh, that would have you in pieces. He's just such a top bloke on the pitch. Like played to forty one in the league, could have still carried on playing in my opinion at Crawley. Was still doing the business. Like such an intelligent footballer. 
Um, yeah, just an amazing character and I miss him. We are in box five here at Plough Lane. Uh, there is a tour going on. We've got a live audience. Does anyone want to ask Danny Bournemouth a question? Yeah, do you want to come across? Hi, I'm, I'm Simon. Who was the best player that you played with while you were at Wimbledon? Um, yeah, all, all of them. No, um, I think, obviously, Revo was, was legend. We worked very, very, very well together. Uh, Lyle was brilliant. Um, I couldn't imagine managing him. But, you know, he's, so he's, he's a bit precious, isn't he? I've got a story about that, but I won't go into that. Um, but then you had like Robbo at the back that would he get stitches in training just because I don't know why he's like it's either his skin or he just likes putting his head where boots are. Maybe because he's not very good at kicking it, probably because he had to he had to head at everything. But no, there was so many. But either Revo or or, or, or Lyle Taylor. Hi there, I'm uh, Fredrik from Sweden. Oh, fantastic! Uh, yeah, it's long amazing. drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we drove by America, so it's took the back way actually we were on the playoff final um me and my wife okay and we went to um king's meadow yes to the after party uh, yes and we got some pictures my wife isn't that keen and interested in football but she was very interested in the central midfielder to play for uh, Re check Reese. good looking yeah yeah Reese, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no we got pictures of uh, i think next to every player except you so could you say hi susan hi susan yeah do you want a picture susan yeah uh, cool thank you was she not here no oh imagine that do you want to get a picture of me and just yeah. rub it in please 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 <laughs> there was no question yeah, really. no, just just yeah. like it's just, it just say hello to my wife <laughs> hi uh my name's luke and uh who was the dirtiest player you ever played with dirtiest dirtiest player oh god Dirtiest. At uh, Wimbledon? Uh, anywhere. Anywhere. Oh, I don't know. Um, like Tony Craig, do you know him? He went dirty. He was just he just loved tackling. Yeah. And like he would say. he would high five himself if if he made a tackle. <laughs> he still does it now. He plays for Dawkins. But um who is it? Who's the centre Irish centre off here? What was his name? Anyone? Alan Bennett. Alan Bennett, yeah, he was he was he was a bit naughty. He liked. Uh, you reckon he's the dirtiest player? Well, it? it's hard. The modern game isn't dirty anymore, darling. Um, that, is true. that is true. But no, there wasn't anyone. It was anyone at Wimbledon that you thought was particular filth, filthy. Uh, the, the only person that comes to mind is Danny Jones. But uh, Danny Jones. Danny he was Jones. a Welsh centre half, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh yeah, he was a bit of a wrong one. He was, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. yeah he was no, definitely. Danny that's, that's Jones. The only person that comes to my head. Are you a dirty player? I'm a dirty player. Good, 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 good. <laughs> <laughs> what about this guy? He was a bit dirty, wasn't he? Oh, Vincent. Yeah, Vincent. He was a dirty player. You like dirty players? Uh, yeah, I'm more of a Sunday league type of person, so that's why I asked. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask for like, any tactics as well. Like, yeah, no, uh, I'm not good with tactics. Quick question. Obviously, remember the season that we got promoted, and we weren't great before Christmas, and then suddenly we went on that storming run after Christmas I just mm -hmm. wondered what changed in between what because it was such a marked difference between the before and after um, we had a fantastic Christmas do I just think having a drink you know maybe lets people's guard down and people that maybe you don't get along with or don't particularly would socialise with you realise actually you're alright yeah. so and we all got on really well after that, and we knew whoever was on the pitch, we was in it together. So that that, that, re that really did bond us as a 
as a squad yeah. and not just the 11 on there but you know we had so many you realised how many decent characters you had and uh, yeah the stories sort of lasted till uh, till Vegas mm. uh, promotion party so yeah no, it was, it was it was a good Christmas do well worth it <laughs> thank you to the fans by the way who, who joined us uh, well joined us in and amongst their, I know their tour. Two of them knew who I was. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Let's talk about the end of your first season. Wimbledon finished 15th and another campaign begins with the attack strengthened significantly. Barchi, Tom Elliott and a certain Lyle Taylor pitch up at Kings Meadow. Could you foresee that season ending up the way it did? No. And I think up to Christmas, um, it was mediocre, wasn't it? It was very up and down. Um, and it weren't looking too rosy, but yeah, those those exciting sort of players really took off after that. And yeah, Barchi's a great lad, uh, and Lyle on his days a good lad as well. But I just don't know what day that is. That front line was scary, wasn't it? Bayo, Tom Elliott, Barchi flying down the left, and and look the curly mop up front, a talismanic force. It was a really dangerous attack on his day. Yeah, he didn't realise it at the time, but it was a joke. Because um, Tom Tom was keeping players out of the team. And players like Akinvema and Addy, you know, and it was just... And he, and he deserved to be in the team. But whenever it weren't quite working, he could just switch it up some fresh legs on some fresh ideas and yeah it was it was I think going into the season that was his, his, his game was to have five options going forward and yeah I don't think in that league there was anybody that could um, compete with it I mean Lyle was playing off the wing at one point wasn't he and he was strong off the wing yeah um, probably didn't like it oh no it just he doesn't like assisting does he he, he likes to be the one celebrating in, no but yeah he's, he's done what he's done played the level he's played for a reason because he was very very good let's hear from the man himself here is lyle taylor where to start with danny borman i don't remember the first time i met bully if i'm being completely honest uh it's a little bit of a whirlwind uh, when i signed for for wimbledon but the standout thing with bully that i remember is the driest sense of humor you will ever come across. I think it probably took about six months before I realized when and if Bully was joking. Um, and I've still to this day never seen anything like the way Bully used to run around the pitch, having a laugh and a joke with opposition players. Like he'd, he'd do anything he could to distract them. He had dad jokes for days. It, it, was, it was just absolutely obscene. Um, but genuinely one of the nicest people you could come across in football who was just a real, real competitor. Um, what a guy. Him and Reevesy as a central midfield pairing was, was just incredible. What, what a pair of, of great guys. And I mean, I've only, I've only come across Bully a couple of times since I left the club and obviously he left the club. But what a guy. What a guy Bully is, and uh, one of one of one of the funniest and one of the best I've played alongside, and been fortunate enough to play alongside, and uh, enjoyed the time spent playing alongside Bully. 
What a guy. What a guy, according to uh, Lyle yeah, Taylor. Yes. I mean, genuinely, about seven times. High praise from, from him? Uh, yeah, it's... it's he, he, he was one that... I was going on about, about the people that you wouldn't... When they're in football mode, they can be a bit of a... A wally, shall we say. But away from it, you know, Jake's best mate, best mates with him still to this day. So, yeah, he he can he can be a bit wind you up the wrong way when when he's in football mode. But no, he's football wise, he's he's very good and he's a humble young man. Did you go around telling jokes to the opposition as well and winding them up like that? I oh, probably I don't know. You know when you're in the heat of the battle and. But no, I, I just, whatever. I didn't care in terms of like awkwardness. I'd like awkwardness as in saying something just random to someone and seeing their reaction. Like, what the hell is he going on about? Tell her. When I say the word wolf pack to you, what does it mean? Yeah, that that kind of was the, I don't know, who was it? It was... Um, Darius Charles, he came up with it because he he took his boy to watch Mowgli or the, you know the re, new Jungle Book. Jungle Book, that's it. And then and they were talking about the wolf pack. No, you're only as weak as your weakest member or whatever like that. And he done this speech. And obviously I'm crying with laughter. Well, but everyone else is taking it serious. So like, and that was it. They came off that wolf pack, and I think we scored one of the games and we're all running around like wolves apparently but yeah I remember once at half time and uh, he was doing one of his like it's not good enough boys blah 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 you know yes we're one we're but we've not not won nothing I said Darius this is double negative um, just just like I don't mind you doing your speeches like but can you maybe put in correct English like that and he just looked at me it was just after he'd done the speech sort of thing so he's still pumped he looked at me like I was an alien. But, but yeah, I just... Little things like that. I don't... Yeah, but some people take what I say maybe the wrong way. When you look back at that season, do you split it into two? Pre-Stevenage and post? Was it Stevenage, though? Was it? What, when do we play them? December the 8th, 2015. Was it Stevenage? What was the score? Lost 2-1. Yeah, I think, cause, like, it, yeah. I think we got on a bit of trouble because we got on a bit of grief for that because after the game, we meant to do man of the match. There was 20 blokes legging it down Kingston Bypass for a, for a train to Manchester sort of thing. We had to, yeah, some of us not even dressed, still in our warm-up gear and just legging it with bags and everything just after we lost and then we didn't send a bloke through for man of the match so we yeah we got a bit of a slapperish shall we say Stevenage was actually my first ever game covering the club for the BBC it'll always hold a, a really special place in my heart but Ards was not happy following that defeat at Kingsmeadow and funnily enough he sent Simon Bassey out to do the post-match interview because he was my first ever interview on the BBC should we hear from Bass? no let's do it let's do it let's hear from Simon Bassey Danny Ballman what can I say uh, followed him a long time obviously his career 
tried to sign him, I think, twice previously to by the time we got him at Wimbledon with Neil Wardley. Um, I spoke to Neil about him, Neil watched a bit of him and um, said, yep. What I knew he was getting was a ex highly experienced operator, a serial promotion winner. What I didn't know what we was getting was a child man, uh, highly immature, occasional drinker, occasional smoker, occasional lake swimmer in his wetsuit on a Sunday morning. Um, but just a great character, really. Um, as I say, 35, meant to be experienced every morning. He'd come out, ruin my session that I'd set up by diving on a bunch of balls that I'd laid out specifically, um, or generally just doing cartwheels halfway through a warm-up. Probably not the uh, not the behaviour you expect from a 35-year-old, but super infectious, um, brilliant player, master at knowing where the ball landed, second balls, excellent. Um, and I say to to have the fitness levels that he possessed is um, is a credit to him. I say considering his 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 like for a light hour and uh, but yeah, brilliant human, brilliant player, um, and a really infectious guy. And uh, I loved him, and same the squad loved him as a as a whole because he was brilliant. The man child. Yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Highly immature. Yeah, but at the end of the day, we we're playing football. Did it as a kid. What do you do now that you did as a kid? Enjoy football. There you go. And yeah. do you still get excited about it? Absolutely. There That's you why go. Yeah. And yeah. So uh, and for me, it was like I I came up the the hard way. I came up from non-league, proper non-league. So I was going to enjoy it. I'm not going to be a robot. I'm not going to be. If I give them someone that I'm not, then it's just it's not me, is it? Do you know what I mean? So I didn't really care that my banter was dry. The best thing that for me that happened in my career was the office coming out because that was my banter and people liked it. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool then. I can carry on, like Jules uh, uh, said, be Ricky Gervais. And G give us your favourite office quote. Oh, this <laughs> quote. You can't, you can't say that. Who's your favourite character? I do like Gareth. I do love yeah, but Vinci. Bloody good rap. Yeah, bloody good rap. Uh, do you know he threw a kettle over a pub once? Yeah. I like Big Keith. Oh, Big Keith. Big yes. Keith DJed for me once upon a time, and it was the worst money I've ever spent in my life. Tell me about lake swimming. I got into that um, a bit later on. It was just I was having a bit of a tough time, should we say, divorce. Um, so it was. My mate was doing it, and I, yeah, I used to get up on a Sunday, six o'clock in the morning, and try and stay alive in this lake. And it was really good because for that time, it was like two kilometres. All you could think about was swimming, keep going. Was that while you were here? You yeah. Had those personal problems. Mm. Yeah, the first, the first, the first season. I was going through a, I was going through a divorce. I can laugh about it now, but I remember um, I got a phone call. It was on the, uh, it was on the coach to Exeter, and I got a phone call from the uh, 
the one I was divorcing and absolute Barney absolutely like going proper at each other and yeah I got sent off <laughs> the next day but I was touching Jake somebody kicked him so I stamped on them two footed so that's alright though isn't it it's just yeah that sort of but you f- you found your release with the swimming right yeah no it was it was it was great for me uh, not only fitness um it was just that switching off and yeah i couldn't think about anything else because if i did my arms would stop or my you know because it's all about technique it's all about rhythm and if that stopped then i'm stuck in the middle of a lake were you the secret shower smoker at, at football what what were you always uh, no i just i just i i i grew up non league and it was have a drink have a good time enjoy it and i, I yeah i remember being sort of like i knew i was playing at Wickham at 18 but I'd still be down the pub Friday night I didn't know that was frowned upon sort of thing because that's what I did up to then it got me there but yeah it was it was just the norm for me and it wasn't that was I was going out and getting uh, royally peed up I was just doing what I've always done and uh, looking back now maybe I should I could have focused a bit more and I might have got a bit further January sees change Calaroos comes in in goal um, one of the slickest people you ever see uh, his hair was just immaculate uh, even though he was flinging himself about it was such an on off season though February uh, saw just the one defeat there was only one win in March you'd only be beaten once more from April on at what point did you think that the playoffs was a possibility when did we when did we know was it Stephen is your way that we knew that we were promote, uh, sorry getting in the playoffs it was one, you it were was in seventh for quite a while, for for six or seven weeks. Yeah, but I think it was. But I think we had a game cushion, didn't we? There was definitely a home game when we knew we were. But in forget, the forget officially. Mm. When did it click in training? When you're like, we could do this. For me, it it weren't. It weren't even a thought. Do you know what I mean? It Why? Because. It's cliche and stuff like that. It's but it's a game at a time sort of thing. But I wasn't even. I just, whenever I step over that white line, I'm like, I'm gonna give it a right good go. See what happens. That's all, that's all I can do. I can, all I can do is affect my performance, and hopefully, like Bassie said, that if I have a good performance, uh, good energy, that that will spread and infectious into the into the team and yeah it's I'm not the loudest of characters should we say I haven't got to scream and shout about something it's you know if you're going to say if you say you're going to swim it you got to swim it so it's like well I'm going over there you come with me you finished seventh you got into the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, it was quite a nice gap six points between Wimbledon and Leighton Orient uh, three points off of Portsmouth who were above um, you played every minute of the playoff campaign we obviously have to touch on the semis because they epitomised the definition of the word battle I'm trying to think back now what was was it home to Accrington first one Tom Biro wasn't it yeah because I I launched him to the floor when he tried to run off I just grabbed him and just um, yeah and what happened because there, there was there was some good times at Accrington because there was 
obviously the time where I scored two goals. I don't know if it was that season as well. I mean, they go 2-0 up in the second. Forget the first leg, you're 1-0 up. <clears throat> Let's, do you know what, let's let's get past this. I'm going to ask you, 1-0 up from the first leg, Tom Beer. It was a real, real battle. What happens in the days in between? How do you train for something when you're 1-0 up and you can see the Wembley Arch on the horizon? Yeah, like I said, I, 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 I can tell you. It, it's not on my... It's not on my uh, in my vision. For me, anyway. It was just like, right, I've got a train a day. What am I training for? Then, you know, the next the next game. It's not... It's it's a cliche, but play the game, not the occasion, and stuff like that. And it's it is it's a lot of stuff in sport is in your head, and if you overhype it, like you say, and like I said about playing the occasion, then you're gonna you're gonna make it bigger than it is. We go to Accrington away four days after the win at Kings Meadow, and they go two nil up. Uh, through a Josh Windas penalty and Piero Mingoya and then comes the fight back the typical Wimbledon fight back but then the lights went out I mean what was that all about? I can't remember I, I, I can remember the lights going out I just remember it, it was, do you know when it's like is this happening? as in there was just there was too much going on it was just like you, you can't write it so you're like what is actually going on here? You actually have to have a look around and say, pinch yourself, sort of. The lights have just gone off. Somebody's having a, a tinker up here, aren't they? Do you remember anything at all from the game? Do you remember what Ard said to you when you were tuning her down? Do you remember embarking on the touchdown? Do you remember Bassey? Do you remember Bezo lurking around? What do you remember from it? Not a lot. I really don't remember a lot. I don't think it helped that we got merrily... I think we stayed over, actually, did we? I'm not sure. Watching Jake Reeves' little legs fly about, like uh, jumping over people... He's like a little mouse, isn't he? Running through defenders. But what, we had the green kit on, didn't we? Do we have the green the one? The watermelon kit, yeah. Yes. That wasn't it? Yeah, and it was like long-sleeved as well, wasn't it? Or Robbo didn't have a long-sleeved one. That's no, because he's hard. Yeah, he? exactly. He's hard. I had two. I had two long ones. Bayo ba- ba- uh, scores in in the game with a, a fantastic goal. But he, I remember him coming on and uh, hitting the post with a shot. The Accrington goalkeeper, Neil Etheridge, just getting very scared. You just looked at him, watched the ball fly past him because it was so ferocious. The way Bayer just sort of like nipped and tucked at the defender. He was a technically brilliant footballer. He just sorted his feet out, shifted onto one of them and bang, smashed the ball towards goal. And I remember we were battling so hard that he literally, he rubbed his head and it felt like he was drenched in sweat. And you just see the sweat flying off, and he was angry with himself. And he just thought, "This guy." I mean, look, it BMO was, Brown was building there, yeah. but he was the beast. I really, I hated it when he scored or I scored because obviously you've got to go and do the old huggy thing, and yeah, then you, you just come off like you know that like uh, along came Polly moment when he's playing basketball, and it's like his face is no, no, not about you. Uh, yeah, it's just you hug him, and then you you you're just covered in bayo sweat. Which is available online, by the way. Um, new fragrance by BMO. We, we, I've just given you a bit of a sort of a flashback to, uh, to that yeah. game. I mean, watching it, watching you guys maraud about in that funny old kit. Does it bring back memories? Um, yeah, it gives the old gooseies, doesn't it? It was, um, yeah, just just by them clips, you could just, yeah, remember it just being a yo-yo of a game, just 
momentum shifting left, right and centre. Do you remember them scoring the second goal? I mean, it was an absolute cracker. Um, yeah, I think it's, again, momentum. is like it, it, can, it can go both ways. It's like there's, there's a relief for them to get in the lead, but they, they didn't back it up. What was ours like in terms of as a reactionary manager? What do you remember what he did? Did he shout? Did he bark? Did he scream? I mean, he brought Adi Aziz on five minutes later, but... Yeah, I don't think he was particularly a barky, shouty sort of manager. He would make substitutes. He would see that it needed freshen up in different areas. So it weren't so much that that he would say something, he would see something that would get us back in the game or win us the game. And he, he was very blessed to have five different options to do that. Up front, that is, anyway. Did, did you have... Was was Bass doing the shouting? Was it someone else off the bench? Who was giving the instructions off the bench? I don't know. All I rem- used to remember is Coxie. <laughs> Just his northern accent, but he always, like... He's quite husky, but when he screamed, it sort of broke. And it was just like... But, no, yeah, I didn't used to hear too much shouting because I too busy enjoying the game. Yeah. So it's it's... It's hard to to sort of in any sort of game, no matter what sort of level with a crowd, it's hard to get that information onto the pitch because especially a big crowd, you you, you can't even hear someone who's next to you. Never know never mind um a manager that's fifty yards away from you. You had leaders though. My my first Wimbledon love was Paul Robinson. Like you look at him as as, as you said to our guests mm. earlier on, you know he'd come out of training and have to have stitches, and he'd just stick mm. his head wherever. He didn't really care, you know. As a leader, he'd, he'd come from Millwall. He'd everyone knew what Robbo was about. But I mean, you look at him. You had you in the team. You had Bayer up front. It, it was a team full of characters. Yeah, and it's uh, similar to I. I put myself in a sort of similar. Uh, Malta not chuck me head in the way but Robbo is in he weren't pleasing on the eye he couldn't um, do a cross turn or bicycle kick or all these sexy things these young kids are doing but he knew what he was good at and that was defending and that's what he loved doing defending and I knew what I was good at I didn't try and go in someone else's lane because then I wouldn't be very good at that. What I was good at is being a good team player and um, sensing danger sort of all over the pitch and being around where the ball is and just really getting a feel of the game and where it's going to go. Um, we saw that goal from La. We, we watched it back here. What a finish. If you're there, you're there. You, you've got to... There in the moment. What are the emotions like after after his goal... And when you realise we're going to Wembley, I've I've gone through my career, and it's mostly it's not yeah it's almost relief sometimes. You know when like I remember Michael Owen saying it's like taking uh, penalties isn't fun. It's just a relief when you score sort of thing. And it's like yeah, it was like a relief that we didn't lose that. And it's okay, we we escaped this one. We can we can take on anyone. You know from where we've come from, it's momentum was massive and yeah I just think that that sort of 
if you think about the first game against Accrington where we got a late winner, there was just it was something written in the stars for us to to fly up. And once we got to Wembley, it was no words needed because we you can say the words, but don't worry about it. We got this. Do you know what I mean? Because we knew we knew each other. We knew what everyone was good at. Why they was in the team. Why they was on the bench. Oh, he's a great, ca- you know. It was. It's not about how technically good are you are, or how fit you are. It's, it's how you fit into, the squad, either that's, in the stands or on the bench or on the pitch. And it's it it would just, it just worked. You know, Tom Beer. What was he eighteen when he scored that goal? Just his little face, just like, didn't play much, but, yeah. What what what. What time to score his... Was it his first goal? Oh, he might have scored before that. I'm not sure. But I thought he was a stato, mate. <laughs> I'm not a journalist. What do you do in between? 12 days between the semi-final and Wembley. That's a lot of time to kill. There's a lot of time to prepare. A lot of time for emotions to run through your mind. For thoughts to run through your mind. What do you guys do? What did I do? I don't know. I'm trying to think where, where we stayed. I think we went... Stayed in a hotel. I've been to Wembley so many times now as a player. It's, it's they, they're all. I think we went to visit, went to Wembley, and I said that to Art. I said, try and get squad, everyone to Wembley. On the day, there's so much to take in because you got to find where your mum and dad is. You got to find where your mates are. It's right. You know, you've got their tickets, so you can look on the old map on the ticket, can't you? And say, okay, they're going to be there. So I said. I'd done it when I went to Old Trafford. Went there a couple of days before just to... So it's not a shock. It's not so intimidating. And so we did that a couple of days before just to soak it all up. Oh, which change room is ours? You know, this... It's just little things that make you more... Get you more prepared for what you're going into. What were your preparations like in in, in the week training for it? I mean, Plymouth uh, had, had had a good season as well, and they they played in the playoffs. I think it was two years before losing to Wickham Wanderers in, in the semi final. Yeah, it's like Plymouth is a big big club, you know, big backing in terms of fans because it's the only club around there. But and a really good outfit. I think the uh, I think the only thing I remember was. Art banging on about Jim Kerry, whatever his name is, um, uh, Graham, um, saying that he was the danger man. I think he was. He played. Oh, sorry, he, he was productive with his goals and assists, and how he w- influenced each game. There was a lot of talk about me, sort of man marking him. I used it the other way. It was like, why, why, why have I got to worry about him? He needs to worry about like. So I, I got asked about it. Shall we say? It's just like, oh, he's better than me, is he? Sort of. Thing. You know what I mean? So like. Going into the game, I had a bit of a, a show him. Did, did young Danny Borman come out? Because, I mean, look, we heard Ards talking about how in the playoff final, you, with 20 minutes to go, just disappeared and did your own thing. You you were arriving late in the box. You talked to me about how you were a striker when, when you were a young man and how a manager pulled you back and said, no, stick in midfield. Was it a case of Danny Borman 36 now? 36 going, hey, this is it. Let's do it. As you get older and as a footballer, you, you, you get the feel of a game you know when stuff's going your way you know when you've got them on the ropes sort of thing and it was like now nah, let's go it's it's the wolf pack it's go time sort of thing and it was just it's a it's a cliche and you know if one goes we all go so one wolf went we all went yeah 
we just went and and uh, i wouldn't say it was me setting in the sort of um the go time shall we say it was just i sent something other people were going and when it was my time to go i went i went it weren't that i was neglecting my duties to, it was like no nah, he's done he's like this game's done if we go hard now this this game's done and we did we there was no there was no worries in that game for me and, and uh, within that that game we we was always going to win that game football has evolved so much i watched lots of county players in tears last season watching a pre-game video together watching their families sharing messages did you have anything like that or was it no emotion straight down to business <sighs> i think they did they try and do something see my memory is terrible um yeah if again if it, if it didn't strike my uh heartstrings shall we say so i can't remember it but nah it, it's it's we had a job to do we had we had to win win one more game and it it, it could have been a a park pitch anywhere it, it, the wolf pack was going to rock up and, and do what we had to do how um, did you feel walking out the tunnel at Wembley Stadium looking to your right and seeing all of those Wimbledon fans um, yeah it was it was it was pretty special yeah it's like like my dad followed me everywhere uh, he's no longer with us but uh, yeah he, he didn't make it to that game he booked his holiday like probably in December did he not cancel it or move the holiday uh, like yeah so that, yeah he missed that one it was the yeah well uh, going about that but um, who was there to watch you my wife my daughter one of my best mates and my mum and probably a couple of others you know just flying about I had to do a drugs test after that <laughs> me and Robbo on their team it was Carey do you know what I mean? I had to let him out of my pocket for him to take it. But, yeah, I didn't... By the time they were done with me, everyone at Wembley had gone. As in the the, the people in the uh, hospitality um, where my family were. They were on the coach back to King's Meadow. So I didn't get to celebrate it one bit. When you look back at the goals, it took Wimbledon a while to not get going. But, I mean... There, there were a couple of opportunities, but then Lyle's goal, 78 minutes, 12 to go. What a time to score. He, yeah, he's he's a player for the big stage, isn't he? he and he, he loves it. He loves the attention. He loves being top dog. And that's what you got. He does what Lyle does. You know, I don't think players that have not played with him see how strong he is and how fit he is. Because... You know what I mean? He's not this sort of ripped character. Do you know what I mean? He's like a bit squidgy in places. Don't mind you saying, but like, <laughs> but he's so strong and he's a strong runner with and without the ball. And he gets his body in. And technically, I don't think, if finishing wise, like, I've s- seen him in training. Like, know when people are going to open their legs, so he would shoot between their legs. I'm like. If that was me, I'll be like just smashing it and just hoping for the best. But that's that's what makes Lyle Lyle, who's very cool under pressure. And you, you seem like someone who will be so unfazed by what's going on around you. Like you, you wouldn't care that there's sixty odd thousand people around you. There's a sea of yellow and blue. You are focused on the football, the football, and nothing but the football. Yeah, I, I, I just it's like, do you ever get nervous? Do you ever get nervous? I was like, not really. No, I've I've done. 
I've played football forever. It's like my, my daughter done gymnastics and she done it at quite a decent level. And my wife now, she, she goes, oh, do you not get nervous? Do you not get nervous? It's like, nervous about what? It's like, I'm just doing do my thing, baby. Um, you know, it's just, it's almost, it's, it's programmed. I know what I'm going to do. Um, and that's that's it. It's I know I practice what I've had to do during the week. And Saturdays it was just like almost the cherry on the top sort of thing. Yeah, that's why I stopped playing was because I didn't get that that I would train during the week and I wouldn't play. So I I'd rather not train. Yeah, and then yeah, I just I couldn't I couldn't have that build up and nothing at the end of it. Bayo scores the penalty two nil. <laughs> Job. took it off me didn't he he took that penalty off me I, I it wanted yours? it I wanted it oh, oh. you probably can't see it because I was like 50, 50, it. yeah but they were both going and then no but and then the famous hit me up on whatsapp Bayo line wasn't it's it it's very him isn't it yeah, I, yeah it's, re- it's really quiet person when you get to know him you know he's really introvert and quiet and humble and just and then but then the camera goes up and he just turns into this beast of a man um, but no, and yeah, it would it would have been totally different maybe if he would have missed it and uh, maybe things have turned out a bit differently. But it didn't, so all good. There was no no hard feelings. It's a long old walk up to that royal box, isn't it? Especially when you've just done ninety minutes, or it was well over a hundred minutes. Yeah, just you know when you've walked up those Wembley steps before, you know what's coming. So I think coming down was weren't too great. <laughs> But no, yeah, coming down's worse, I think, because you've actually got to work a little bit harder coming down, and uh, by that time you've probably had a beer. Everyone knows about the party afterwards at King's Meadow. You arrived late, of course, but tell us about Vegas. I didn't go. I didn't go. I My honeymoon was booked. Not honeymoon, sorry, uh, stag do was booked. I was trying everything to get out there and get like a, a flight from Vegas to Valencia where I had my uh, uh, stag do but it didn't it just didn't work out and uh, I had a lovely time you know I had a, a spa day in Valencia so didn't drink at all uh, but I've heard about it the summer brought a lot of change um, as you mentioned Adebayo Fenwa was released Callum Kennedy left Sean Rigg left Adi Aziz Connor Smith uh, as well as others, Ryan Sweeney went to, to stoke the young centre half. But new faces came in. Darius arrived on a, on a permanent deal. Ryan Clark, the goalkeeper, Chris Weltdale, Dean Parrott, Dominic Polion. Do you think there was too much change at once? Yeah, looking back now, it's it's like the highest ever. Yeah, that, it, I mean the, it, the it, highest it, finish all, in, all in hindsight, it's like, well, what, what if you kept the the band the same? Could we have got higher? We don't know. It's all hypothetical. But yeah, it's. Yeah, but if you look back on it, maybe the players that came, majority of the players that came in didn't really perform, should we say. Dean Parrott didn't do much. Dom really didn't do much. Who else was there? Tyrone Barnett. Oh, I love Tyrone Barnett, though. He's a great lad. Tom Saws. Yeah, I think maybe too much change. And to be fair, yeah, and they signed him on a couple of years' deal. So come the next summer... He signed too many midfielders and I had to get rid of. Do you know what I mean? Bloody hell hard. Didn't think that one through. You, you turned 38 during the season mm-hmm. uh, in League One. 
I mean, is it as simple as saying that Neil Ardley signed too many midfielders? Did he feel that, you know, age was catching up with you? Did you feel that it was the right time to leave? Did you not want to leave? Yeah, uh, yeah. if it was up to me, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have sort of left. But a lot of things happened there, you know. He, he probably didn't know that Jake was about a way to be sold, was he? So that left me going and then selling Jake and then trying to pl- replace that. You, you, you're going to kind of struggle and evolve at the same time. You, it, it's, a, it's a big, big sort of ask. But, yeah, I, d- I didn't want to go, but it was out, out of my hands sort of thing. And I think Ards told me sort of early on um, into the season, basically, you know, he gave me a good good heads up saying, you know, got to let you go sort of thing, you know, try and, I've given you the heads up to try and get your name out there early. I had to play the rest of the season knowing that I was not going to get the contract. And the, the thing that peed me off, right, was the last game of the season. It was like, oh, yeah, you know, you can play your game. You can play your last game here, you know, give it a good send-off. Just let me go in the bar the last game of the season, mate. I haven't got to run around and get a sweat on. I'm not on bloody appearance. I could have said goodbye to them in the bar. But, uh, yeah, no, that, that's tough when you know you're not going to be at the, the club anymore and you sh- you've still... That's just my my sort of um, makeup. Is once I step over that white line, I'll I'll give it a go. Is that why you won Players Player of the Year? Award? That no. The reason why I won that was uh, there wasn't a vote, and some some uh, some official asked uh, Barry because oh, we need to give a um, a Players Player, and he went, oh well, Bully's going. Might as well give it to him. So it's but kind of by default. So. It's not one that's going to um, stay on the mantelpiece for too long, you know, because I know the truth behind it. So, yeah, it was uh, it was nice to get it, but, you know, it was like being the being on milk duty at uh, <laughs> <laughs> And being taken off. When, when you sit and you think back at your, your time here, do you think back with joy? Do you think back with sadness? I mean, you said it's bittersweet, but three years, you covered a lot of ground. People people say, well, the stats may lie, but you did cover a lot of ground. No, I, I enjoyed every moment sort of here. And yeah, maybe it was the right time to go because if Jake went and I stayed, I might have gone downhill because I probably had to do more running. So we used to uh, share it up. I don't hold grudges getting released this that and the other so no it was you can say it now <laughs> at the time I was like no. I knew Ardley's face on the dartboard I was launching darts at it and everything have you had a conversation about why you left I can't, I can't. In, with a, a lot of hindsight based no, conversation speak to a lot of people you can't have a serious conversation with me so it's it probably might have started it and I would sort of um, changed the conversation and trying to make him laugh because everyone needs to love me you know I didn't live particularly well in terms of modern day athletes shall we say I didn't do anything yoga and stuff like that I just had a laugh do you know what I mean it's like there was a Tuesday session no game yeah all day long beer on a Saturday or uh, all day on a Sunday or it was just I was there you know it's hard to find a job that you ever laugh at so I made the absolute most of it shall we bring this to a close with a quick fire yep Let's do it. What's it about? I mean, look, it's 
10 random questions of my choosing. Ah, oh, okay. But I feel that it's right that we use the same questions that we offered Jake two weeks ago. I mean, they, they do say that when you give someone no time to think, that's when the truth comes out. So I will ask you, Danny, Mark Borman, who is the best midfielder ever? Um, Skulls. Paul Skulls. Mm. Uh, who's the scariest footballer ever? We spoke about the Mad Dog, didn't we? He was scary. I remember, because he played for Reading when he was a player. You probably don't remember that. Um, he was injured. He was on crutches in the dugout of the Majeski, and uh, not the dugout, the tunnel. And he's on these crutches, and he is. He's not barking, but you know what I mean? He's like, I was probably 20 at the time. He was probably 30, whatever, but like barking at his, rallying his team. Just looked around and started laughing at him. He legged it after me, foaming at the mouth. And I think that's why they call him the mad dog. So, yeah, he was, he was, he was naughty. What's the uh, best stadium you've ever played at? I don't know. Old Trafford. There's no time to think on these. I've got to ask you. Uh, Aston Villa was good. Wembley, twice, whatever. Um, uh, probably, yeah, I've got to say Wembley. Who's the one football of the streets we'll never forget? Craig Dobson, because he was like freestyle um, world champion, uh, keepy-uppies and doing tricks. What is your karaoke song? Um, the Home and Away theme tune. Do you want to give us a line? Um, I actually sang it for um, Harry Kuehl, and he's Australian. And Home and Away is Australian, believe it or not. And he didn't know there was a second verse, so... Uh, you know we belong together. I don't have to go, yeah. No, I, I really yeah. wanted to see close reach there, yeah. home and away, you know, the end bit. But if you weren't a footballer, what would you be? Uh, probably a roofer, builder. Just a geezer, you know what I mean? Who's your favourite midfield partner ever? Ever. Uh, obviously, Revo is very much up there, and we did have a laugh. Um, Michael Simpson's very good, but no, probably, probably, probably Revo. Who would play you in the movie of your life? He's a bit old, but Brad Pitt. Um, what's the? Probably the younger me, like Revo, because he's like quite short. Maybe, maybe Revo could play me as like eight year old. Who said the Joker looked like me? Did you yeah. say that? What's his name? Keith Ledger. Who's the best Wimbledon player you've ever played with? So Lyle's up there, obviously, but he didn't have his best time here but Matt Tubbs he didn't do it too well here but I played with him at other clubs and he was bloody amazing but I think yeah I think maybe Lyle what is your favourite Don's moment oh I don't know maybe Curzon Curzon Ashton does that mean does that ring any bells to you yeah what happened FA Cup and 3-0 done and 4-3 yeah but I I leapfrogged uh, Stewart Sorry, what? That's that's why I remember it. There was we scored the winner, yeah. and when this is the corner, people do that sliding on their knee thing. You know, I can't I couldn't do it at my age. Do you know what I mean? Because um, wouldn't get up, and so Wimbledon fans would sort of try and hug players, and it got spilt over a little bit. And then stewards come in, and there was one slipped over, so he was just about to get up. So I just leapfrogged over him just yeah it was a right laugh yeah it gotta be the leapfrog Danny Bullman thank you for joining us um, what does the future hold for you what are you up to um, keeping busy you know keeping me uh, me face around shall we say I'm um, doing a bit in the hospitality at uh, AFC Wimbledon with you Aaron as well a little yeah, bit you know absolutely, what I mean absolutely uh, do you know what I mean I, th- I just think yeah I think we 
we uh, we are a formidable force, aren't we? You know, we we tick every box, don't we? We do. I don't know what boxes they are, but we will find out. Executive boxes. Ah. Um, Danny will be the new matchday host across all hospitality areas and will have a former Dons player as a guest at every game. He'll interview the legends before and after, in addition to overseeing the man of the match presentation and matchday sponsorship presentations. Um, get involved, guys. This is a great opportunity for businesses to inspire and reward loyalty of their staff members, to spend quality time with clients and business associates away from the nine to five and enjoy and create memorable moments with family and friends. And believe me, you will create good memories with Danny Borman. You really will. Um, upgrades are available for general admission season ticket holders. Get in touch. Hospitality at afcwimbledon.ltd.uk. You can call 0208 547 336. Danny Borman, thank you for joining us. Aaron, it's been a pleasure. Hi guys, Pelly here. Get every single episode of the official AFC Wimbledon podcast the minute it drops. Just head over to Acast, Spotify or Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe.